0: Uh, Alright, this is a I tough to
1: one fix. to make a uh like a an opening bit for.
0: Well, so, we'll just we'll be going nowhere fast, so
1: Yeah, it's I wonder if I Maybe. should reference the songs or if I am supposed to pull a quote from the uh
0: Let me go to IMGB and pull a random quote. <laughs> here I have a <clears throat> random quote
1: for you already that I All can right. alter here. It's a uh, you smart guys. You always think you can hire a bum like me to do your podcast. Well, not this time. That's right. It's Cover Me, the only podcast that usually talks about famous songs and there are many cover versions, but it is taking a break this week to talk about a famous movie. And it's, it's a movie we watched. A movie. Will- Willem Dafoe is in it. Willem Dafoe is in it. Who else is in Rick it? Rick Moranis um, is in it. Rick Moranis is in it. Bill Paxton's in it. Oh yeah, Bill Paxton's in it a bit. Yeah, he's uh, the bartender. Diane Lane? Diane Lane, yeah, she is also in it. Uh, yeah, we're talking uh, about the film yeah. Streets of Fire, directed by Walter Hill of The Warriors and 48 Hours fame. And uh, it's got the, the lead actor in it is Michael Paré, who is apparently in a lot of Huey
0: Bull films. That's great. That's great. It's not great, I would say. <laughs> no? I've actually never no. seen. I've never seen one. Of um, I, yeah,
1: neither vibe, but that's because I'm, I'm, I've heard that they're all pieces of shit.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's that's the story. Maybe, we're so been, maybe is, we've maybe lied uh,
1: to. Yeah, maybe we've been lied to. Maybe we should investigate further, but I feel like it's probably not good.
0: Let's let's worry about that later.
1: Let's worry about that. So this is uh, let's see. So Walter Hill has said in an interview here, every film I've done has been a western. And elaborating on that, he says, the Western is ultimately a stripped-down moral universe, that is, whatever the dramatic problems are, beyond the normal avenues of social control and social alleviation of the problem. And I like to do that even within contemporary stories.
0: Yeah, this is, like, the main character is definitely a cowboy. Tom Cody. Yeah, I
1: suppose so. He, like, wears a
0: duster everywhere and, like, shoots, and he's all like, I like the guns, but I didn't get no medal. Like, he's such... (laughs) Yeah. He comes yeah. off
1: as a psychopath in this film.
0: Absolutely. And it is not clear if he learns anything in this movie.
1: Yeah, I don't um, think he does. I'm not sure that anybody learns or, anything in this or movie. Or he
0: was right the whole time kind of thing. Like, is that kind of movie.
1: Yeah, is that what it's supposed to be? He's a like a misunderstood... Like genius but well, it's Loner, genius like least, moral like, beacon yeah i mean like. if
0: i could uh talk about like the beginning and the end right now uh in the beginning yeah. he like leaves uh ellen the love interest and singer mm, yeah
1: ellen aim is that supposed ellen to be Aime? some kind of pun
0: l a name like <laughs> l a name yeah i suppose yeah, i don't know maybe that's my um, first
1: criticism is every like name in this sounds like it's almost a pun but it's not
0: billy fish billy mccoy Fish. no um, first name given
1: oh well, yeah isn't billy the talking bass <laughs> the talking bass rather that you can get uh, the is, singing bass is it actually
0: how long has that been big around mouth billy? that's oh. a
1: good question
0: in any case and like so in like the the setup like the background is that he left her
1: yeah big mouth billy bass yeah he left her <laughs> sorry Go
0: ahead. he left her like Two years before, or whatever, and joined the military, and never talked to her. And he says throughout the movie, like, "Oh, she was like going places, and I didn't want to, like, we weren't like gonna work out or whatever, even though we loved each other." And then in the end, he leaves because he says the same thing, like, "You know, she's doing her thing, and I'm doing, I'm doing mine, my thing." Which, yeah, is
1: an interesting uh, story choice because that usually doesn't happen in this type of film. It's usually save the girl, fall in love with the girl, despite no real character development having happened between the two you know like a diehard situation where he gets his wife back by defeating terrorists
0: right although she leaves him again i think yeah but that's future movies that probably doesn't count mm-hmm. um and yeah i I, I, don't, I don't really know because he kind of gets the girl like they're they're still in love or whatever
1: well yeah because rick rick moranis loses the girl because he is rick moranis billy fish billy fish and, yeah, so it's implied that if not, like, he wins and kind of turns it down, you know?
0: Yeah, even though they still fuck, which, yeah, I don't know, maybe we'll go over. Or what, I don't really know what our structure is here.
1: Well, yeah, we're, we're kind of going at this uh, fast and loose. Um, yeah. I wanted to mention about the fact that they don't get together at the end. This was originally supposed to be, like, a trilogy of films.
0: Oh, um, so there was supposed to be more.
1: There's supposed to be more, but this was a like a cosmic failure. Um, according to Larry Gross, who's the co-writer on this, uh, Hill wanted to make a film about the hero of a comic book, but since he did not like any of the comic books he had read, he wanted it to be an original character. He wanted to create his own comic book movie without the source material actually being a comic book, which led to the creation of Tom Cody.
0: It's like, man, I like comic books, but I fucking hate comic books. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just want to make a comic book, but I don't want it to be like any other comic books, you know?
1: Yeah, was his big gripe that, like, most comic book characters have a moral code, whereas Tom Cody just explodes cars for no reason?
0: You know, these comic book characters are always learning lessons and and developing. Fuck that.
1: Yeah, he's like, fuck that. We need a harsh... Lack of moral (laughs) world with a with a character who just fits exactly in there. He's not like he's an outcast, but he's not really.
0: (laughs) No, everybody likes it. Like he leaves and he's like, I'm alone, but everyone's like, you got to come back. Like his sister gets him to come back, and like, yeah, is that letter
1: written by his sister at the
0: beginning? There, I think. Yeah, that's his sister who sends him a letter and is like, you got to come back. And then like he yeah says, I need you. Yeah, well, I was pretty sure it's written by his sister. Yeah, because who else would it be? It literally couldn't be anyone else. Yeah, <laughs> certainly not McCoy. Weird,
1: some weird shit. <laughs> so they were, uh, they were a little more backstory here. They were making the film like hot on the heels of the film Forty Eight Hours, which was a pretty big success for Walter Hill. And so let's see what he said here. So th- Walter said of that, he said, "Paramount is pregnant. Let's get something in- and set it up right away because they were." They're already like kind of enthralled with this movie they were just finishing up so they decided this is the best time to push a spec script and like get that through for a lot of money right and interestingly this is as you've noticed from watching the film it's produced by universal not paramount pictures so what happened is oh. when they presented the original script to paramount the uh the head of paramount at the time michael eisner uh, oh, Mike, said, Michael said,
0: Eisner himself, eh?
1: Yeah, said that it was too similar to Indiana Jones. Just from the script? Just from the script? I now, don't Alex, get it. going through this film, do, what part of this was like Indiana Jones?
0: Yeah, uh, the part with the snakes. So, there's no part with snakes. Um, there's no, no, part with snakes. Uh, let's see. Not even when their snakes. faces, their faces melted at the end, right? Did they? Uh, No. No. Shit. Was it my face that melted from the... Damn it. Um, (laughs) hmm.
1: It's just like everything from the setting to the major plot points
0: to... It's like set in one place. Although the other... (laughs) The geography is a little bit weird. It takes them a long time to get places one way and not very long to get them back or the other way around. Like, yeah. Like, it takes them. It doesn't yeah. take them very long to drive to the place they're going to, and then like when they're coming back, it's like all night. I even said yeah, like is, uh... even like on IMDb, it comes up as one of the goofs, and it's like <laughs> it's it's like it takes them a little like takes them like they leave. It takes them a little while to get no. It takes them a long time. No, it takes them. A long, never mind. Fuck. Hang on. It's, it seemed like it took them longer to get there just because it, it skipped, but it still takes them like eight hours and it's all supposed to be in the same city.
1: Yeah, it's supposed to be Chicago, essentially, but they didn't film it in Chicago. They just f- filmed it on like studio sets, but like outdoors ones. So all of these nighttime scenes, there's actually just a massive fucking tarp over the over whole set. Top.
0: That was probably why sometimes it was like, I like I looked at the synopsis and like then they wait for night. I'm like it wasn't already nighttime like <laughs> like when they go under the bridge if I was going through the synopsis like they waited on the bridge for nighttime like it is nighttime when they go under the bridge I Yeah swear. it's it,
1: that yeah that seems pretty immediate when that series of events happens but interesting production fact about that is birds started to nest in the tarp so it was really hard for them to get like quality audio because birds were fucking chirping
0: maybe it's a City of full of birds. Wouldn't wouldn't that be good ambient sounds? Yeah, I suppose so. Probably be the fucking worst thing ever, if you were filming a movie. I changed my yeah,
1: mind. Yeah, unless it was uh, what's that fucking movie? The birds. Birdocalypse? Bird apocalypse. Bird.
0: Bird. What was that? We Birdemic. watched that one. Bird Birdemic. Man, if they could have gotten some real birds for that movie, that would have elevated it.
1: I know that would cost them more than their budget was, which was zero, like two bucks. Yeah that's a bit (laughs) steep two well okay yeah (laughs) 50 bucks i mean 50 cents in a pack of
2: smokes
1: (laughs) um so the most interesting part about this film and why we're talking about it is it actually has like a a very high production soundtrack
0: yeah originally it's it's almost a musical but not really
1: Yeah, it's apparently influenced by Flashdance, which I guess has has similar musical elements. Um, So the original plan for the film, it's called Streets of Fire after the Bruce Springsteen song of the same name. And originally that song was going to be in the film. But uh, when Springsteen was told that the song would be re-recorded by other vocalists, he withdrew permission for the sound to be used, which led to them uh, uh, basically talking to Jim Steinman writer of meatloaf songs and bonnie tyler classics <laughs> to uh write the, fr- the opening and closing track for this movie which are both fucking phenomenal and both clearly sound like a meatloaf song and a bonnie tyler song oh yeah
0: they're very very jim steinman i, I believe rory dodd is even singing on those tracks yeah that
1: wouldn't surprise me at all
0: we talked about was the the backup vocalist on total eclipse of the heart
1: Hmm. And uh, Jimmy Iovine, 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 Jimmy Iovine. Jimmy Iovine. (laughs) As as I always say. Right. uh, Produced five of the songs on this soundtrack, including uh, I Can Dream About You, the Dan Hartman song, which we're actually going to be talking about about next week. In
0: the future, which will be the past for this, right? I don't know what order these will come out in. I
1: think we'll release this one first. I guess that makes some sense, yeah. Context on the movie, and then it's like a... I feel like that's a more, like, start broad, go narrow, right?
0: Yeah, although it doesn't have much bearing on the movie. It's just kind of a scene at It the end.
1: really doesn't. It is thrown in pretty much at the end. And, like, um, other things are
0: happening around it, and they're just singing in the background.
1: Yeah, I have some, some comments about that. So, originally, Tom Cody was going to be Tom Cruise. Like, played by Tom Cruise.
0: Did they lose him? What happened? Did he read the script? Um,
1: no he was already committed to another film at the time uh, it's very clear that both walter hill and larry gross really did not like uh michael peret uh so gross says the most the most damaging thing is we didn't have the right actor for tom cody maybe (laughs) if we had tom cruise we might have had a success but our commitment to be stylized was thorough and conscious and maybe too extreme for the mainstream audience
2: So that was sort of
1: two separate points there. But yeah, he directly states that the lead actor was a problem.
0: I'm trying to envision, like, Tom Cruise in this role. It would have been different, that's for sure.
1: Well, yeah, because here's the thing. There's that point in the film where he tries to get, he's trying to get back to the Richmond district, and that uh, train driver is like, you can't do it. And then he kind of looks out onto the track, and there's the fire if that was a Tom Cruise film, the next shot would it be him just fucking running down the tracks?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we really missed out on that. Had he really? Had he? Uh, what year was, this? Is like eighty-six or something? Eighty-four. Yeah, eighty-four. What was Tom Cruise doing in eighty-four? That's a good question. Let's take take a little look at the Tom Cruise IMDb. Dun, 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 dun. This was before Top Gun. It would have been after like Risky Business. which i yeah pre top gun but maybe he was filming top gun at the time or something
1: that could be it so yeah 1983 yeah he's got risky business losing it he was in the outsiders
0: he was in the outsiders yes he was
1: god (laughs) damn um what else was doing that all the right moves yeah and then legend comes out in 1985 so he was probably yeah working on legend at the time
0: yeah that makes more sense or maybe yeah, but can you imagine
1: these, yeah. Tom? I just feel like Tom Cruise is too good for this movie.
0: Yeah, and, like, he, like The Outsiders had just come out. He was young.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, you want to talk about young. Willem Dafoe is fucking young in this he film. He
0: is. It's weird. I, he's, I've always thought, like, the first thing I ever saw Willem Dafoe in was Spider-Man. Like, yeah. I don't know how old he was then, but not that old? I, I guess,
1: like, 20, about 20 years older.
0: Yeah. So. I right. he's always been like kind of wrinkly, mm-hmm, and
1: always very scary. But I mean, he kind of gets that kinda...
0: in the end, like when the, in the like final fist fight, he does that mm-hmm. face, and then yeah, it's like just, yeah, and just screams that's like a an animal. <laughs> that's Willem Dafoe. He, that's Willem Dafoe. He's also kind of hot, though. I'm gonna say it. It's very, it's very like androgynous. I think. Yeah, they kind of do like... that for the villains, and I think that was kind of a thing that happened in like the '80s a lot. It's like you're a mm-hmm. bad guy, you can't well, he be even hire the androgynous masculine. strippers too. That's true, absolutely. That's earlier on in the movie when they when they're going to rescue Ellen, uh, in what was the other district called? I don't remember. Uh, it's
1: like the Battery.
0: Oh, is that was the Battery?
1: Uh, I believe so. And they rescue her from a a bar called Torchies.
0: Was it Torchies? When which was um. There was a place called the main drag. Was that just, like, the road?
1: That's probably just the road. Okay, because when guess. they said
0: the main drag, I thought that was the bar. Because I was like, oh, mm. that's a guy in drag. Right, Stripping yeah. or whatever. So Is I it a guy in
1: drag, though? I,
0: I wasn't sure. I thought when they said I main drag, sure. I was like, oh, of course.
1: It was highly androgynous, that person. Yes. Peaking androgyny. Um, yeah, so let's just... Uh... Let's just talk about this bit by bit. So it opens with uh, this sort of neon shot. I guess we can talk about the visual aesthetics, um, especially I'm comparing this to the Warriors, but he, Walter Hill, always seems to have a pretty clear direction of like stylized 80s movies. It's
0: very like neon and very colorful. It's like neon urban decay.
1: Yeah. And then it's weirdly cut in a, I think it's a very cool move, the, this 50s style is put into the the 80s neon light.
0: Which they kind of have I, like the 80s kind of had like a 50s throwback thing going on, I think, mm-hmm. at least in part. Like for some of it, like it was inspired it's that 20 year cycle or whatever. So maybe light. that was it or part of that it.
1: That could be it, but it's uh I don't I don't know, I don't see it too often, you know.
0: Okay. I believe you. I I I, I don't know that well. That's just what I've heard. Like if you look at even wearing. the
1: first performance, like her the they're, her and her backing band are both The very, Attackers? Yeah, 50s stylized. Like, they look like... Like, her, her guitarists look like Elvis Presley impersonators. They got the big suits, the big-ass guitar, and they're doing, like, his kind of dance moves.
0: Yeah, but it's also kind of like... Um, hang on a sec. Uh, Phantom of the Paradise reminds me. Now, Phantom of the Paradise is 10 years earlier, so I guess it's not mm-hmm. really appropriate. But uh, it also opens with, like, a 50s throwback. Well, it opens with, like, a 50s throwback song. Uh, okay. So, I don't know. This isn't really a 50s throwback song, but the look is. Anyway. No, but
1: there are a lot of 50s throwback songs on this uh, soundtrack.
0: That's true. That's true.
1: So, yeah, it opens with Nowhere Fast, which is uh, kind of like a, a Paradise by the Dashboard-like kind of song. It's got that kind of vibe to it, very uh, upbeat. Dollar, dollar,
2: you and me.
0: I can't pause this. Pause. Yeah, it's like this benefit, like it's a free concert, and Rick Moranis is there, and he's complaining, like, ah, I'm not making any money off of this. Why do I do this? They don't
1: got a pot to piss in.
0: Hey, they're all people who can't give me money anyway, even if I wanted them to. Like, but it's it's a it's in her home town, not town, but like you know neighborhood or whatever. I assume that's why they're doing the charity thing.
1: Right. Yeah. Because she's too.
0: She Ellen is touring now. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, so then they sing the, the song.
1: Yeah, and then it's just kind of like I feel like they really don't do a good job in this film of making the music like the the making the action suit the music. They just go for like very straight boring music videos. It's like here's Ellen singing the song, here's the guitarist, people are enjoying the music. You're like sure yes are- I know.
0: Yeah, I mean, it it seems like a pretty decent performance
2: hmm
0: and the lighting is cool for sure that was mm-hmm. one of the one of the like quotes was about like they were reading the script and they're like hey this script sucks or or someone i don't remember who like yeah, i think it was, he was like i kept going around and telling everybody
1: sucked. that the script sucks and like oh no man it's all like, about the visual it's about aesthetic. the
0: visuals and like they're cool like i'm looking at this like she's in red and her band is in blue and there's purple light like it's it's cool like well, yeah she
1: she's in red and black yeah. which i thought was sort of a, a like again this mesh of 50s like the red kind of like lounge dress and then black this sort of more edgy rock and roll the 80s, 80s appearance.
0: Roll. Yeah, i meant like the lighting but yeah her her clothes is, her clothing is red. Yeah. Her clothes are red and black. <laughs> but um yeah, it's right, like clo- yeah, a, a red a cool light. aesthetic. And like now what did you think about the script?
2: It's um
1: well it's not good i don't think it's good i think there could have been something here i think a lot of the acting is very stilted right stiff even in terms of like physically and vocally it's a lot of it is just people staring at the camera and moving their mouths
0: that i i agree i think rick moranis actually did a really good job of his character
1: Well, yeah, and that's, <laughs> um, like, I found myself, like, rooting for him a little bit just because he was the most of a character. He
0: was definitely, like, he had a little, like, there was something there. Like, he was obviously kind of a dweeby guy, but he had, money, like, he had come from, like, being a weaker guy and, like, got some, like, developed some power through money or whatever. So he was kind of, I don't know. Uh,
1: yeah, so, you know, he tries to throw his weight around, but you can also yeah. tell he knows that he's not physically able to back that up. Right. So, and so he, he does that of... whole thing where he, like, talks down to people, like, even when uh, when uh, Tom Cody comes to get the money from him for the job, and he's all like, well, maybe uh, start listening to me now, show a little respect, because you know how much power I got. Like, he's always pushing to be the top dog.
0: Right, and even he even, like, gets his little redemption at the end when he goes and, like, uh, faces, uh... hang on, I don't remember the names, dun, dun, dun. Willem Dafoe's character. I think it's Raven? Raven, yeah. And like he gets punched out immediately, but like he kinda of, Oh yeah he's like he's like the one with an arc. He actually does something. Yeah. Kind he actually of.
1: like like pushes and does things and changes a little. You can tell in the final scene with him that he's softened up a little bit.
0: Yeah. And, is, like, and it's like trying to funny help in other
1: that, that scene where he gets decked. That, like, <laughs> the, the next shot is his, him being, like, cradled by this cop. And the cop <laughs> does that thing where they, like, look at the body and then look out. And it was just missing him going, He's dead. <laughs> <laughs> or, like, but he col- lives and he's, like, standing him, up in a later show. Holding him
0: to his chest and just crying.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's
0: like, <laughs> <laughs> He's dead. Billy you fish. <laughs> and, like, Billy fish. Uh, but, so, I thought, I, I agree, it's not, like, it's it's got some problems script-wise, but, like, it's consistent in its writing, and it's almost like it develops its own, like, language. Like, that is ridiculous, but kind of the whole thing is ridiculous, so it almost fits. like Yeah, I found
1: that, like, there is very little friendly conversation that takes place. Everybody <laughs> is very antagonistic towards each other, whether they are working together or not.
0: Oh, man, I did. That's, like, um... Uh fuck, what is his name? Um Michael Bay movies. Like I once heard a thing like you ever notice how was, no one in these movies like every line of dialogue is someone like getting mad at someone, like every interaction is like a fight and like people are mad and like then my roommates were watching um Transformers and it was like, Yeah that like I walked by and I was like, Yeah, that's what's happening. Everyone's yeah, just so mad all the right. time like knowing well, it's such ever a cheap way
1: to like build interest, right? Cuz like whoa, people are mad, like things are obviously <laughs> happening.
0: It's just like a reaction. Some of like, "Hey, how's it going?" You're like, "Hey, are you fucking looking at me that way like just immediately like, every <laughs> single thing is just anger."
1: Yeah, seriously, like the there's a conversation. we should I'm going to break down the plot cuz we've been talking about little points in between Right, but I we, think keep, we need to. Right, we
0: keep getting distracted by Rick. So and if you've
1: ever played the video game Final Fight, that's essentially this movie.
0: Is it based off of this? <laughs> it could be, for right. all I know. The style so, is kinda it's kind of similar.
1: Like, it's very similar. The only thing that's missing is a ripped mayor.
0: I mean, also, like, Streets of Rage? Like, the name is almost the same.
1: Yeah, just about. So, essentially, the, the lead character's ex-girlfriend, who is a, a, perf- a singer in this film, gets kidnapped by a biker gang. Yeah, Ellen Aim. She gets kidnapped by Raven, who is Willem Dafoe, and his biker gang, the Bombers. Yeah, and they're and playing
0: a show in in the whatever district. Damn it.
1: I think it's the Richmond district.
0: The Richmond di- district. And uh uh, t- uh the main character's sisters there as well. You yeah. see her singing. She's actually the the like one girl in the Warriors as well. Oh yeah. Um so same director, little uh, little fact. And yeah, little
1: uh, fact. another funny thing I want to mention about that is that somebody uh apparently Walter Hill got a lot of complaints about like not featuring women strongly in his uh films and then he said of this film he's like don't you worry my next film is gonna have a woman as a central character and the central character bit is she's abducted
0: yeah right although they rescue her pretty fast now and so then so there there's a whole scene where where they're like sorry i got distracted where they're like run there's cops and they're they're the biker guys are kidnapping her and they're trying to things are breaking lots of
2: yeah lots to be clear there
0: stuff. are
1: two cops apparently for this whole district and they're always in the same car together
0: i think there was a cop yeah on a on a motorcycle i don't know there are more cops later but yeah and he says son of a bitches at one point i think like i don't i don't know and, that's one of those
1: ones like, no, we're low on time. We can't reshoot it. Son of a bitches, it is.
0: Son of a bitches, it is. Although maybe it's one of those that, like, consistent, like, like that's what they say in this town. They say son of a yeah. bitches. That's their vernacular. Oh, like, they're
1: building some kind of, yeah, like, a, a in-world dialect.
0: And I found it, like, it showed a lot of people in this early scene. And now mm-hmm. I recognize them. But, like, some of them, like, would get a close-up on their face and it was like, oh, is this person going to be important? And then never show up again. Yeah,
1: you're like okay, that was a person, I guess. And yeah, they, they like the the bikers go on this just buck wild riot, like they're dragging a dude, uh, like tying him off to their motorbike and dragging him over the street. And then the cop car like jumps over another car, and then they they just are like, yeah, all right, I guess we'll go now. And they just like. <laughs> Casually, like, they came ripping in, and they leave doing, like, 30 kilometers an hour. Like, it's a fucking school zone. They're like, okay, party's over. See you guys.
0: Oh, no. Mm. (laughs) got Gonna break it up, guys. Not again.
1: So, yeah, that happens. That's the initial incident. A letter sent to Tom Cody. Tom Cody comes into town. Yes, you get to see the
0: letter sent. The other thing about this movie that is similar, and I guess maybe it's a Chicago thing, but... Mm -hmm. That is similar to the Warriors, is that, like, there are these cities with just, like, trains that go fucking everywhere. And you can ride the train for, like, days and not make it to your destination. Like, within a Oh, city. yeah. And just trains, man.
1: Yeah, because I had the, the assumption that he was coming in from way out of town on train, you know? But and, it, he's really just, like, two neighborhoods over, like...
0: Yeah, and, like... He was in the military for a while, which doesn't really make sense. Like, what happened? I don't think you can have a tour of duty for two years, but maybe. Two
1: years. Yeah, that's like basic training.
0: That seems low, right? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know military stuff. I thought it was pretty much like five years, but I could be totally wrong.
1: Yeah. I just want to point out in the, in the listing of uh, actors in the film, which happens after the initial incident, um, Grand Bush is one of the people's names. Do you I know who that is? That can't be a real name grand no. bush,
0: grand the, other bush. Thing, the other thing this is like a, the the opening credit like crawl is very interesting because it's a lot of like it shows him coming into town he's getting off the train he goes into this diner and like it keeps showing names and like weird stuff will happen sometimes it'll just be a name over the action sometimes it'll cut to black and show the name and, like, mm-hmm. then cut back into the movie. And sometimes it'll freeze frame and show the name over top and then start again. And, like, there's all these weird, like, wipe transitions and, like, things are happening.
1: Yeah, this movie it's, has a couple of weird ones where it does it's this, kinda like, weird shaky swipe thing. It's crazy. Yeah, Another it's like, like a wipe mention.
0: transition with, like, a jagged edge. It. Like, it's weird. Yeah,
1: it's odd. <laughs> Another thing to mention is the first two, uh, like, before the movie even starts, we have two... Uh, title cards. One, one oh, calls fuck. this a rock and roll fable. Rock and roll fable. And then fable. the next one says, Another Time, Another Place, which was, uh, that line is inspired by, uh, in a Alan galaxy. Alan Parsons Project? Ago. Oh, okay. <laughs> some <laughs> no.
0: plays, Apparently place.
1: this movie is also influenced by John Hughes films like The Breakfast Club, Ferris Bueller, Sixteen Candles, and, like, teen films.
0: Okay. There is one part. Okay. Hang on. Okay. So... Later on, not much later on, early, fairly early on, he's talking to the cops. And mm-hmm. they say, like, he should be in juvenile hall or something like that. He should be locked up. That's like, right. He's not that young. Like, he's a grown man. He's in the military. Or, or is he supposed to be super young? Like, I don't know. <laughs> Although, yeah, if it was uh... supposed to be Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise would have been, like, 22 at the time. Yeah, I suppose. So, And Tom Cruise probably looked younger than this fucking guy.
1: Yeah, I would think so. <laughs> These fucking cops, man. Whatever. The, uh, so yeah, he comes back into town. He goes to the diner where the Roadmasters show up, who are just another gang that will be here for this scene. Another, and they're gone.
0: Another thing similar to uh, to the Warriors. There's a few like themed gangs. There's only yeah. two though. I think maybe three. Maybe three. So then this dude like pulls a
1: switchblade on Tom Cody, and he grabs it from him. Closes it, gives it back to him,
0: and then slaps the shit Try out of again, him. that again,
1: and then just punches him. Yeah. No, he slaps him. That is a slap sound effect.
0: <laughs> he does a couple slaps. Yeah.
1: Yeah, he busts the place up, and then his sister's like, "Tom, you need to sa- save your ex girlfriend." He's like, "No, I'm not gonna do that." Then he goes to the bar, and uh, Wait, the first thing on. Bill Paxton's character says. I is, think the important
0: thing here is in the opening credits when it says executive producer Gene Levy. Like like seen levy, he, yeah, He's really involved in this filth, I don't know how that is wild, yeah, so he goes to the bar
1: he goes to the bar where Bill Paxton, who got punched out in the in, in the, the fight the that scene. broke out at the, uh, in the in the opening scene, is now here with a missing tooth, and he says, "Hey, Tom, how's your hammer hanging, which is code for "How's your dick?" <laughs> Hey, man, how's your dick? Hey, man, haven't seen you in a long time. How's your penis?
0: How's how's the dick going? How's the dick still working out for you? Treating you you nice? Is it good? Is it hanging low? And this is
1: where we're introduced to McCoy, McCoy. who uh, proceeds to, to punch out Tom's friend, steal tequila from the bar, and just be like, yo, let's get the fuck out of here. Guy I've never met. And he's like, yeah, all right.
0: So supposedly, McCoy, the McCoy part was originally... Like not written as a female. Yeah, I was part. supposed to be
1: a big fat dude,
0: and for some reason they decided to change that.
1: Um, yeah, because the the actress just kind of like rolled up and was like, "Listen, right. I can do this. It'll be rad." And then Walter Hill was like, "People have been really on me about this whole women problem. I should oh. probably do what she says."
0: So that's <laughs> <laughs> so he's got another woman in the movie who's, I mean, is she supposed is this is it does this movie imply she's a lesbian? I. Th-
1: I don't know, because for a hot second, I thought her and M- Rick Moranis were going to get
0: together. Hmm. Yeah, I, well, I don't know. I Supposedly, the internet said that, like, she smokes a cigar at one point, and that was supposedly, like, she code for... She smokes a
1: cigar twice.
0: Supposedly, that's code for, like, she's a lesbian in old school movies. I don't know. Well, she is called
1: Butch by uh by Rick Moranis, and it's, there's there's definitely room for her to be a lesbian. Yeah, like, the... But the never fully explored i guess because you know what she does talk a lot about how fucking hot tom is but that's true but she also clearly states that he he's not her type
0: yeah there's like it's just that kind of stuff it's like something i would expect from like a mid-80s movie like to not actually address the topic but kind of imply it you know Mm -hmm. and also there's one line where i feel like she says like what did she say Um, she's like, I used to have, like, like be in love once, and then she's like, that's before I became a soldier. Like, I don't know. The way she said, delivers the line made me think that it was, it was, it had layers, you know?
1: That could be it. I feel like, yeah, this is like a cowardly 80s way of being like, it's a lesbian, but we're not gonna really say say that. Uh, uh, We know how much people are upset about the, the old lesbians.
0: And her hair kind of reminds me of Kim. Scott Pilgrim versus the World.
1: Oh yeah, that's a good call. Yeah. I noticed there's a scene where all four of them get into the car at the same time, like uh, Cody, Billy Fish, uh, Ellen Aim, and uh, McCoy. And I was like, uh, "Dude, it's Final Fantasy fifteen.
0: <laughs> which which means <laughs> that it's Entourage. <laughs> yeah, which means that it's also
1: <laughs> Entourage. And she does kind of look like her, like her hat and blonde hair thing looks like uh, Cindy from the the game, who's like the mechanic.
0: Oh yeah different different outfits though
1: different outfits speaking of people who look like other people willem defoe in his first outfit looks like uh the sean pierre polnareff from the the third season of jojo's bizarre adventure i am not in the third season yet you just just type in that name into google real quick and just like the <laughs> the shirt get up
0: like when he's in the bar and like kind of like without his jacket thing on yeah, he just has this yeah. like
1: weird suspender suit on. <laughs> like
0: like leather, like full, not like three quarters body leather with like straps around his shoulders.
1: Yeah, like if he just took off one of those straps, he would be pulling the ref.
2: Okay, alright. I see it. And then I later
1: on, when he's in his biker like his actual biker suit, and his hair's done up, he looks like Robert Pattinson in uh, the Twilight series.
0: Oh, really? I yeah, he's pa- very pale skin, very similar hairstyle. Aren't they both in that lighthouse movie? Are they? There's like a mo- recent movie. I, there's something about, about lighthouse. lighthouses.
1: Is that that I haven't seen uh, motherfucking Robert Pattinson in a long time? It's called The Lighthouse. Called
0: uh, the Lighthouse. And it came out. Came May out May 19th. Ni- oh, May 19th of this year. Okay, so that's very recent. Yeah, I think he's been doing, like, he took some time off or something, or he's been doing, like, indie stuff, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's it's a three-person cast, and so the two-thirds of that is made up by Robert Pattison and William Willem Dafoe.
0: Yeah. So, same guy, but not really.
1: Same guy. So, eventually, Tom Cody decides he's going to save his girlfriend, but he's going to do it for money. So, he talks to Billy Fish. He's like, listen here, dickhead, you're going to pay me ten grand and then you're also going to come with me for some reason. <laughs> and then they get Cause out. Because he knows and, that
0: part of town.
1: That's right. And then that's, McCoy's like, take me along, too. He's like, you get 10%, kid. Jump in the car. And then Billy he's, Fish is like, we don't need no skirts. Yeah, come on. Forget about it. And they're like, skirts. shut up,
0: Billy. I know. He's calling her skirt. And she's like, clearly in this, like, militant. Like, she's in, like, this big, bulky, like, brown outfit. And he's like, skirts here
2: yeah what's this
0: well, all
1: she, about <laughs> she's the most masculinely dressed of the three yeah. of them and he's like daddy's fucking
0: skirts there's also we missed there is a bit of a song there's a oh yeah there's a dream sequence when he's like deciding to rescue her and he's like looking at an old picture of, of Ellen Tommy's yeah and, there's and it a, plays a song written by Tom Petty never be you, Thank you. That's right and yeah
1: so then yeah so that's his motivation for being like ah, i better rescue her as he looks at an old picture and is like yeah i guess, oh, I guess I she did her. sing some pretty good songs
0: <laughs> but she didn't write the songs we'll learn that later yeah that's um, a point that comes up later so uh rick moranis billy fish he says the shits a couple times so yeah fun. that place is the shits uh and then when he gets there he's like this place is the shits and i'm like yeah rick you're right. <laughs> consistent character (laughs) so way to go and then yeah so then they finally have their thing and he he says i want like 10 grand to to rescue her and he says no and he threatens to not do it and then anyway he ends up getting the money and then mccoy comes out and she's like let me come along with you i want to do the thing as well i'm a soldier remember we both like guns and he's Mm -hmm. like i don't know then there's a skirt thing you were talking about the skirt thing and then he promises her 10 percent, and then they drive off
1: they in the all of them in the front of the car.
0: All of them in the front of the car, which <laughs> later on we learn there's more to that car.
1: Yeah, like it's. Although is because there's seats. so
0: many guns in the back.
1: Maybe that could be it. Yeah, we did miss that scene where he just like plays with guns for like he, ten minutes. He just like gets a bunch of guns. It's just like jacks off a shotgun, does one of those repeater <laughs> ones. It's just him, and then like plays with a revolver.
0: <laughs> yeah, just like spins, and yeah, it's great. He likes guns, so, yeah, so we established the, that. That's Then we get the big debauchery scene trade. of
1: the, the biker gang and their whole rad hangout where dudes just like do fucking tricks off the, the wheelchair ramp that they've installed for their handicapped biker friends.
0: And a really sweaty guy is singing, One Band Stud. Well, yeah,
1: One Bad Stud.
0: Bad Stud. Sorry, I can't read my own writing. One Band Stud One Band Stud One Band Stud
2: so they
1: he's their their band name is the blasters i believe because they do blasters. two tracks
0: they do blasters. they pretty soon also sing
1: yeah and it's so they're very 50s yeah they do blue One shadows Bad Stud and blue shadows
0: yeah i don't want no scars to show.
2: i don't want no
0: they're driving to this place and it's cutting back and forth between this them and this this uh, bar and then he says like "Ooh, pull up under there and then well Rick Moranis says like pull up under there and then she's like don't tell me what to do and Tom is like pull up under there she's like alright Tom and then she does McCoy's driving that's the important yeah. fact know.
1: again just like unnecessary antagonism <laughs> yeah. between everyone and so they 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 first talk to this guy who just tells them what they already know that uh, she's being held at this fucking bar and the fucking the best thing that happens in that scene is uh, tom cody tells rick moranis to pay the guy he's like pay him shithead and he's like don't call me a shithead and He gives some money and as they're walking off he's like yeah i am a shithead <laughs> does he say that
0: yes he does i totally missed that he also like tells he, him to buy a bar of soap
1: yeah he's like buy a bar of soap he's walked away he's like pay that guy to to tell us what we already know i am a shithead. <laughs> 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 Like, really, Rick Moranis is the shining light in this film.
0: Absolutely. What a great, what a great role.
1: Right, so then we get some titties, and then they get, they concoct this plan. Very brief
0: titties, though. Yeah, very
1: brief titties. But they concoct this plan wherein McCoy just goes in through the front door, seduces a man, and knocks him out, and then pulls a gun on Willem Dafoe and the gang. Meanwhile, Tom Cody is on the roof. With a repeating
0: rifle. He's such a cowboy. Like, this is so cowboy. He's just shooting things with a repeating rifle. And causing them to explode immediately.
2: Yeah.
1: His gun is very effective at just exploding cars and things. And so then they... I can't even remember how she gets rescued. Because it seems like their two plans are not congruent. She doesn't
0: even... Oh, because like... And then he goes and gets her. Like he he shoots stuff up, there's chaos, and then runs inside and like picks her up and is like, hey come with me. Right. Or whatever and this, is like,
1: this is what I thought the whole movie would be, right? Is yeah, rescue I thought the that girl. they were gonna
0: rescue her like in the end. Mm-hmm.
1: But, but it's more like halfway through. Not even. It's like just past thirty minutes in.
0: And this is where we see uh Willem Defoe and his like leather overall get up.
1: Yeah, with fire burning behind him, and it looks very cool. There's a lot of fire. Also, I wanted to point out in that scene where she's holding Willem Dafoe at gunpoint, that he, um, Willem Dafoe, gives off some real bisexual vibes in just the way he's holding his, uh, like his biker gang member there.
0: Yes, and I think that that seems to be like it's like they've got the like sexual deviancy, so they're the bad guys. Like it's all like coded that way. Yeah, I they're would say like if, not dressed in if not leather, if not
1: sexual aggression, like and kidnapping a woman yeah. just so Willem Dafoe can get his rocks off, I would be rooting for the biker gang like 100%. Because
0: they're more androgynous. They're, a they're a very sexually more... forward, they love oh, having yeah. fun and doing bike tricks. like And hitting people with hammers. Yeah, and One-on-one, sledgehammer
1: though. fights. Why aren't they uh, called the Hammers?
0: They could change their name now. Also, I when guess. he's looking through the window at Ella, she's she being raped? I don't know. She's kind of squirming, and, like, there's maybe... Maybe it only looks like there's another hand there. Let me back it up a bit. Get, just get your now.
1: damn hands off her.
0: Because she's, like, kind of... She looks restless, and there's, like... It might just be her outfit, because she's kind of got, like, red and black. As you may recall. Yeah. Okay, no, it it looked like there was another hand there, but that's her hand, because she's wearing red and black. But she's also, I guess she's having a nightmare or something, maybe. I don't know. Is she having a nightmare? Is she just trying to escape, perhaps? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Uh, There's no sound right now, so I uh. don't remember. Okay, so the other thing about this movie is, like, this is kind of our first encounter between our, our protagonist and our antagonist. Mm-hmm. And I would compare it with the Warriors again, in that, like, they don't see each other, basically, until the end of the movie again. And, like, that's their showdown. And all the other things that happen are just kind of other things that happen. Like, they're not really related to that conflict. Yeah. You know, like, like they, they encounter people along the way, and, like, they see cops, but, like, that's not related. So after they escape from this, and they need to get back, it's like it's just other things that happen.
1: Yeah, it's just like a lot of shit. So they and like, at first they bury conflicts. the car, which they obviously, which I thought meant like explode the bitch, right? Like get rid of it in such a manner that it can't be traced back to you. But they just like drop it off, I guess, because it comes back later. It does. Like they go back and pick it
0: up. At some point, someone does. I don't
1: yeah, know. yeah, because he drives it to the to the lethal Weapon showdown. That is the climax, and then <laughs> at the end of the film, McCoy is driving it. She's like, "I just found this car." Because we should have mentioned he stole Find the car. Keepers.
0: He did steal the car. It has no license plate.
1: Yeah, and then after they sort of do, we do the main rescue plot. We get these sort of establishing shots of the, I think, the Richmond district again. it's very jarring because it'll be like, boom, crowds. And then it just cuts to black. And then it's like, boom, (laughs) another shot. It's like, cut to black. It's like, boom, here's some more. You're like, ah,
0: ah, ah. Because it's all about the visuals, baby.
1: Yeah, or the lack thereof. And so then this gets, uh, I think, cuts into the song Sorcerer. Sorcerer. I believe was composed by Stevie Nicks.
0: Yeah, like way back in like Nicks Buckingham or Buckingham Nicks days. Like this is yeah. an old song. Well, I mean at the time it wasn't that old, but it's an older song by her that she I guess didn't use. Or did she? Oh, um, Is it re-recorded for this?
1: May, it's certainly not her singing on even on the on the official soundtrack right, or on right. the actual film.
0: Here's a question though, because this is when they're like escaping. And they have some conflict, and then they're in this, like, other bar. And is someone else singing Sorcerer, or is it a dream, kind of like a semi-dream sequence of her singing Sorcerer non-diegetically? I think
1: it is supposed to be the second one, like a, just a... Like, maybe it's a flashback
0: or something, I don't know. But it's not, like, like, there's no one singing that song.
1: Tone, yeah, but I don't think anyone is actually singing it.
0: Okay, because I wasn't one hundred percent sure, and I didn't want to go back. So, let's see. So right, I feel like and then we missed something. There, they oh, there's something the... very important. There's something very yes. important that I missed because during the fight sequence, he like uses his rifle as a as a, a like a bat and bats a biker off a bike. That's right. And you can see the wires. Oh, huh. yeah. So that's cool. W- way to go, idiot. Yeah, fucking wires? Yeah, no, I agree. Okay, sorry, I found my note about... You were talking about the camera jumping between, like, people. Because it was, yeah. like, nighttime, and then suddenly it was like, boom, street festival. Like, yeah, there's people like, everywhere.
1: Weird. And uh, so then we get... They abduct this bus that is carrying the Sorrells in it, who are, uh, like, a, I guess a doo-wop group. They seem to be more of an acapella group, but...
0: But not huh. before they pick a person up yeah baby like, doll is that her name yes i wasn't sure she's just like some fan who sees them is like hey i'm a big fan ellen how do you sing? how do you write your songs like that she doesn't ask that till later um and yeah, then but she's that's just like, like her follows key role
1: them. is yeah she's ellen's fan and she just kind of like becomes her yes man but also makes her ask this question that doesn't really get resolved which is about writing your own music and making music that is written for you your own. Which is like a it's an interesting concept, particularly when you have uh, like a, a soundtrack that is written by other people and performed <laughs> by other right. people.
0: Hey, yeah, not even performed by the actors because this because the the voice of Ellen is performed by what they called Fire Ink, which is yeah, it's uh, two different two singers. singers, right? Yeah, so yeah, it's it's an interesting thing to bring up especially in this this uh yeah it's
1: just it's a shame it's never really pursued
0: it would definitely be more interesting if it i almost thought it was going to be at the end mm -hmm. because i thought maybe like i mean the maybe it's cheesy but like you'd make the final song the one she wrote right that's expressing. yeah that's what i was thinking and i thought maybe they would do that and it kind of like what's the name of the final song again it's, uh, it's like, um uh, uh tonight, I is ju- it to tonight is
1: what it means to be young. Tonight
2: is what it means to be young. Begin. Let the fire be the
0: yeah, tonight is what it means to be young. So I thought maybe that would be it. But then he just like rolls out of there and leaves.
1: Yeah. He just leave, and then everybody knows that song at the end too. Like the (laughs) Sorels are singing it, (laughs) she's singing it. The the band knows how to play it. Like it would have been, it would have been interesting to even have her say, if or like if the song had been performed earlier in a different way that like sounded kind of flat, and then she would come up. She'd be like, you know, almost like when uh, David Bowie on the Reality Tour live album is like, this is a song that maybe should have always been performed this way, and he plays Loving the Alien. Oh, that's right. Like, if they had done something like that, and then Just, she like, belts out it. this incredibly, like, very Bonnie Tyler-esque sounding piece, it would have been like, oh, she found herself, and it relates to, like, her sort of distant love with Tom Co Like, it would have been so much sharper.
0: Yeah, that really seemed like something that, it seems obvious. Like, it seems like the way you would do this. I don't know. Maybe that's why they didn't do it, but. Yeah, maybe. I I feel
1: like that was not... I feel like his vision here, and he says it... I have a quote from him. Let me see if I put it down here. Um, So according to Hill, the film's origins came out of a desire to make what he thought was a perfect film when he was a teenager. He put oh, in all okay. the things he thought were great then, and which I still have a great affection cowboys. for. Motorcycles, Cu- cowboys. Yeah. Custom cars, kissing in the rain, neon, trains in the night, high-speed pursuits, rumbles, rock stars, motorcycles, jokes in tough situations, leather jackets, and questions of honor.
0: Yeah, okay. Yeah, the, all those things are in the movie. That's that's for sure. But um, Yeah,
1: and, and at face value, that all sounds rad to me. But- it does.
0: At, yeah, the, although the the stuff we were talking about before, like, I think would have elevated potentially elevated a bit. Plus, I mean, the very beginning of the movie is they the title like after the title card it says it's a rock and roll fable. fable so you'd think yeah. the lesson in a rock and roll fable would be about expressing yourself. I don't know. That makes sense to me.
1: Yeah, about uh you know because rock and roll is truly about rebellion.
0: Rebellion. And I rebellion. I guess is music is about its expressing core about yourself. Being generally. true to
1: yourself, right? Yeah anyway yeah so that's the question i found myself yeah. asking uh, at the point where they abducted the the band for back to the future <laughs> is what is the, the fucking starlighters this film <laughs> can you imagine if that's what happened hey, in back to the future it's your
0: cousin your cousin marvin <laughs> you know that new sound you've been looking for anyway uh yeah so marvin barry and the starlighters uh they, they kidnap a bus with their guns The guy's like, mm-hmm. hey, I'm not gonna drive here You know, there's a bus for anybody And then he pulls out his gun and he's like But we have a flexible schedule So they uh, steal the bus But they keep the band, which is called the Sorrells Or the Sorrells yeah. I think it's the and Sorrells then, And then they drive for a while and they have some conversations You know, people talk about things um, And then the Sorrells sing another song This is my countdown to love my
2: to
1: love. Yeah, I I summarized one of the things that uh, Rick Moranis says in this scene. Oh, which, okay. Which boils down to, "Hey Cody, thanks for saving my girlfriend and primary source of
0: income. Go fuck yourself." <laughs> he is very angry all the time. Always. Yeah, he's, a, he's a scrappy little guy. When is it? Someone says like someone calls him short. What do they say? I don't remember. I think it's. I mean, look. Is it when they have to change a flat tire? Yeah, then they have to change a flat tire. That happens.
1: That's yeah, before that, that's they it... sing, right? Mm hmm. And that's when uh, he tells off Cody, and Cody's like, It'd be too easy to beat the shit out of you. You're dumb, so, Yeah, and they do short, acapella.
0: Who's Ben they, Gunn? They... Which character what about ben- Gunt? Which character is Ben Gunn? <laughs> ben Gunn? Is that a character in this? Allegedly. According is that what to this you have written down. No, this is quotes on IMDb. What's he say? Oh, you're dumb, and you're short, real short.
2: I have no clue.
0: Anyway, I don't remember that character. Wait, Tom Working Cody, pay him. Oh, Ben Gunn is the the, the oh, dirty the guy, guy they pay. They pay. Yeah. yeah okay. okay.
2: Yeah.
1: Guy anyway. needs a bar of soap. Got it. Yeah. So he had an. So name, then they him. come to a police check stop. Is the next big thing. Yes, they do. And the cops come on, and they're like, don't worry, leave this to Rick Moranis. And then they, like,
0: don't do that. Really? Yeah, they don't do
1: that at all. First McCoy talks, and then Rick Moranis is like, "Listen here, fellas, we'll just give you the money, and then we'll go on through. And they're like, you were a little too keen to give us money. Get fucked, Rick Moranis. And then they just pull guns on these cops. And...
0: (laughs) And then they make them all sit down, and then you get a fun line that uh i'm going to read but i had up before and then but and he says you know you guys got some cute little asses be a real shame if i had to blow them off that's mccoy mccoy yeah, says that's that McCoy. When all the police officers are like lying on the ground because they threatened them with guns
1: yeah and then in tom, Co- tom Cody, tom and what can only be described as a psychotic episode just starts exploding cars left and right he
0: fucking shoots the shit out of cars cars explode readily in this movie and oh uh, yeah because at like first, I like he gives
1: car. off one shot through some glass, which I thought I thought was supposed to be like a warning to be like, "Oh, stay down, cops were serious." Oh, I thought so business. too. Yeah,
0: I thought it was a warning shot, and then he starts blowing up cars. Yeah. <laughs> Immediately.
1: Like I, I've written here, is he supposed to come off as a fucking maniac? Because that was my response. I was like, "What the fuck?" He does so. It's hard to relate to him. Like 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 we've been saying, easy to relate to Rick Moranis's character. <laughs> Even though he's a dickhead, it's very hard to relate to Tom Cody.
0: So they shoot the cop cars and, like, knock over the motorcycles, and then all everyone runs back on the bus and they, they book it out of there. Mm-hmm. Hit some cop cars. If you watch, you can see the bus lights on fire. It doesn't stay on fire, I guess. I don't know. They don't seem to mind. Yeah, but then the so
1: bus breaks down, right? Cuz then they have to take the train. They said they had the to ditch the in. bus.
0: They said, "Now we got to ditch the bus oh, cuz they've seen the gotta bus." Now we got to ditch the I bus cuz they're looking there. And,
1: and then they take the train they, they, all they've... night long. Yeah, they to take it all night they finally get uh Elena and back to the cops, which I don't know why they needed to take her there.
0: Like, "Look, we yeah, I, apparently they did." I don't
1: know. They did. They're like, she's "How you feeling, and Ellen She's like, "I hate this fucking town." <laughs> I would say rightly so. She was kidnapped.
0: But also, then, she's mad at at Tom Cody for taking money to rescue her.
2: Yeah. It's like, fuck
0: you, Ellen. You're his ex-girlfriend, and he's got to eat. Although he clearly was like, like did he say, like, I'll oh, rescue her, but I better get some money first? Or was he like, I'll oh, rescue her. Let's see if I can get some money out of it. Like... Yeah. yeah, I feel like he was gonna rescue her either way. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I feel like he would have, and you know, he just knew that Rick Moranis was loaded with cash. I see if I get so ten
0: grand out of this. Ten grand in nineteen eighty-four money.
1: Yeah, that's good money.
0: Ugh.
1: And so then everybody's mad at each other. He's at the diner that his sister runs, and he pisses off McCoy by telling her that'll he get her the money. And then...
0: And he said, I don't got any medals left. Yeah, I don't Something got any like medals
1: that. left. That's exactly what he says. It's about
0: $25,000. Oh, wow. Today. That's a decent fucking bit of cash. Yeah. According to this thing. I hope yeah. my ex-girlfriend gets kidnapped. <laughs> In 1984?
1: In 1984, yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, and then the, the cop comes to talk to... Uh, What's his face? Talk to Tom, Tom Cody. Tom Cody. And he, Tom he not Cruz. It, it's a fucking pissing rain out there. He comes inside. And like, <laughs> he's like, I need to talk to your talk brother. To you. uh, Come outside. Let's go outside.
0: <laughs> and he's got like a, a rain hat on his hat. Like it's a little, it goes over his hat. Yeah. And it like drapes down over his shoulders.
1: Yeah, it's got a very. Uh, and it can
0: button up. But he yeah. doesn't button it up. He leaves it open. He doesn't button it up.
1: Sonny comes to him, and he's basically like, listen, it's a lethal weapon. You're going to have to fight him in the streets by yourself, and nobody else is going to do anything. But you but should then he's leave like, <laughs> first. Yeah, he's like, you got to leave town. We're going we're gonna to do the law.
0: Yeah, I guess we missed a scene where the cop goes and talks to Willem Dafoe, and he says, like, I want to see him. I want, like, one-on-one. I'll bring two guys into town. It'll just be me and Tom Cody. Yeah. And, and he knows guys. Tom Cody's name because they saw each other before when they were escaping, and he was like, what's your name? And he's like, Tom Cody. And then he left.
1: Yeah, which I mean, very cordial
0: on both their parts. He says, "Tom Cody, pleased to meet you," but he's sarcastic. And then Tom Cody goes to get the money, and that girl is still there, like yeah, baby doll, in their hotel room. And she just like says something mean to him and leaves, and is never seen again.
1: Never seen again. And then he comes, he grabs the money, the ten percent for McCoy, and then throws the nine grand at Rick Moranis. And that's enough to just get Ellen Aime, like to just it's
0: slick. Oh, We're, man. So, as slick as she gets when she walks out into the rain.
1: Yeah. To chase him and kiss runs him. runs out after him. And she's like, oh, what was I supposed to do?
0: And the answer was make out in the rain. And then cut to them in bed. Haven't dried off yet. They're both still soaked or very sweaty, maybe. I don't know.
1: Very sweaty. Yeah, just covered in erotic fluids.
0: And just erotic fluids everywhere. He dries off a lot faster in the next scene, though.
1: I kind of, like, I must have zoned out for a minute. The next note I have is when he fucking punches Ellen to knock her out.
0: Yeah, there's a little bit before that. He goes and gives the money to McCoy first and, like, talks to Bill Paxton a bit. And he's with McCoy a bit, and they're talking about, like, whatever, things happening. And then they go get Ellen, and they're all on the train. He's like, I got to leave town. So they get Ellen, and they're leaving town because the cop told him to. So right. he doesn't fight Willem Dafoe. And then he fucking hits Ellen and knocks her the fuck out. And then McCoy just yeah. takes her somewhere. I don't know.
1: And then she jokes about it at the end of the film. But oh boy. McCoy uncomfortable. does? No, uh, Ellen does. What does she say? She, he's like, yeah, well, you know me. And she's like, yeah, the guy with the right hook. I'm like, fuck. Jesus
0: Christ. That was, a, that was a knockout shot. That was a knockout but, sucker punch. Like, geez. Yeah, that was like brain damage. <laughs> Oh fuck! And uh yeah, so then he goes back because he needs to fight Willem Dafoe, and then you yep. see the cops are already—they've all got their repeating rifles. There's a bunch more cops now. Yeah, it's very... finally
1: the cops kind of like get I mean, together.
0: This is definitely very Western, like it's a showdown in the streets. Oh, they yeah, ride and in and on it motorcycles instead like of horses.
1: Just the bare minimum, right? It's Willem Dafoe and the two guys, and then it's the two cops, and then. They're like, we're not going to give you the terms you want. And he just blows his fucking air horn. It's like, and then the crew rolls in. (laughs) Again, at a very civil pace. (gasps) Yeah. Bill Paxton runs away when he sees everybody. Yeah, he's like, oh, fuck that. You think it's because he's a coward. But it turns out he's actually rallying the townsfolk.
0: Like the whole town. Everyone runs with their guns. There's a lot Mm -hmm. of guns in this. Yeah, you can tell it's America
1: because everybody's got a fucking gun.
0: Yeah. So then they got the showdown. And then they get. This is where they get out their sledgehammers and they have their sledgehammer fight. Yeah,
1: and it's like unspoken, like that has always been the way people do things He's in this like, town.
0: Hey, I got the sledgehammers. Oh, good, I forgot mine. Like, take this one. Like, yeah. let's fight. He's, He's got sledgehammers. two
1: sledgehammers, and then then he just like tosses him one, and then Willem Dafoe and Tom Cody go at it like old sledgehammer fighting pros.
0: Yeah, they know what they're doing. Although, you know, it's looking for a while there, like, uh, like. Like Willem Dafoe might take the fight. But it was not meant to be. Yeah, there he is... gets so
1: he gets the sledgehammer knocked out of his hand, and then in what is a a, a fucking obvious but rad move, Tom right. Cody throws the sledgehammer away and then Willem Defoe just gets his rage mode on. Yeah, screams. cut to Willem
0: Dafoe like like curling fists, like shows them all curling fists and like get ready for fist fight, and then he just like runs at him and knocks him into a bike.
1: Yeah, and then they just fist fight. He kicks the shit out of Willem Dafoe.
0: And yeah, right at si- the end when it, he's yeah. like, he's like, Willem Dafoe's like stunned, you know, leaning forward a bit, primed for face punching. He's punching him in the face repeatedly. These cuts are so awkward. It's like, <laughs> like, did you catch that? It's it's so like, it's not a great section. Like, it like, it'll cut to them both standing there, and then like a punch, and then like cut back to neutral, and then like another put. Like, it's very awkward.
1: Yeah, and then, like, the final shot... Or it shows is... the
0: same punch, like, 12 times. Yeah! Six times. Like, it might be and that, the... too.
1: Then the final bit of that fight is he, like, Willem Defoe is just, like, kneeling there, and then he just, like, gently touches him, and he falls over.
0: Yeah, he, like, pushes him over. <laughs> yeah. And he falls, and he's down, and everyone cheers. Bill Paxton hugs some extra. Yeah, and then
1: the, the second-in-command... It's just like, yo, we gotta get out of here because th- these civilians are super armed and then everybody's like, yeah, we'll do that. They pick up Willem Dafoe and they fucking leave.
0: What does this guy look like? He looks familiar. I don't know. His second in command. His second
1: in command? Yeah, he has a familiar look about him. I couldn't tell you who he is. I don't know.
0: Yeah. And they they bring they bring Willem Dafoe with them, so nothing is, is just changed, I think. Yeah maybe i don't know and then the sorrells are performing (laughs) suddenly like cuts back and forth between the sorrells performing i can dream about you you,
2: you, you
0: this is the i can dream about you scene and -hmm. then and then it shows like them running away yeah.
1: So yeah, it cuts to I can dream about you, which like coming into this film, I thought it was going to be like a after like after everybody is mad once they rescue Ellen and she tells the cops she fucking is ready to get out of here and everybody's mad at each other. I thought we were going to cut to like Tom Cody at a bar and like this would be playing. But no, it's just like suddenly the Sorrells are playing on a big stage, the stage that uh fucking Ellen was playing at the beginning. Yeah. Rick Moranis is their manager now.
2: Yeah, and
0: also the weird thing
1: about this song is there is a lot of instruments in it, and the (laughs) the of the four members of the Sorrells only one of them really
0: sings. Yeah, and the other ones all have one microphone.
1: Yeah, and they like they do the like one backup vocal in the song and just dance the rest of the time. It's not until like the first minute of the song that the back of the
0: stage lights up and you find out that there is a band playing as well. (laughs) There is a band though. And it just but Mm -hmm. it does the and like everyone's like wild about these I wonder if it's implied to be like a bit later. It's not like the same day.
1: Yeah, it must be like at least a couple of days have passed, like one or two.
0: Like they would have to have signed with him or whatever, and people already know these guys.
1: Hmm. Well, I, I think it's implied that Rick Moranis can kind of just pull out a big crowd, right? He's got
2: big money. I guess so.
0: He's got he's got connections. He's in the biz. Yeah. Um, the other thing. Well, I mean, this is like the finale of the movie. Is basically there's two musical numbers. There's this, and then the dream of young. Uh, th-
1: tonight is what it means to be young. Tonight is
0: what it means to be young. <laughs> dream about you. And then tonight is what it means to be young. But yeah. supposedly, like, this is the part. Like, it was supposed to be Streets of Fire. And they yes. had to redo the final scene because they couldn't get that song. Yeah, did I and- mention
1: that they claimed that they used a different song because Bruce Springsteen's Streets of Fire was, quote, a downer? That was their their line? That was their official line. <laughs> uh, Okay. So <laughs> Which sounds to me like they were being petty about not getting the song.
0: Yeah, really. Um, so yeah, I guess Jim Steinman wrote the song, and they're like, "Fuck, this song is amazing. We got to use it." But also, they realized like the plan for the scene was different, so they had to rewrite the ending a bit. Yeah, I don't know how much? Had to rewrite so the, the ending. Scene,
1: rebuild the theater that they shot it in.
0: Yes, they had to like remake the whole thing. So it was like another million dollars to shoot this scene. Yeah, and they were already like
1: wildly over budget.
0: But it was gonna be a smash because it's a perfect movie. So yeah, it's impressive. It's impressive.
1: It is impressive. It's, uh, but yeah, again, I feel like they don't really use the ending track to, like, the full extent. It's very triumphant. Um, triumphant. It's very exciting. And then most of what we get is just shots of the people performing it when you could have some, like, meaningful. Like, you could have had the scene with him and McCoy leaving town cut with actual parts of the song. And I think that would have played a lot better.
0: Yeah. Plus, as we mentioned before, it would maybe make some sense, um, if this was, like, Or it somehow implied that she had written this song. And this was, like, the first song she wrote. Because she could finally express herself. But she didn't really, like, do much in the movie. So that would make sense for development. But they probably would have had to back that up with some other stuff, too. Also, Mm -hmm. she's wearing red with no black on. I don't know if that means anything.
1: Yeah. I also thought that thought. (laughs) Um... Like again, it seems to suggest a symbolic growth if we take black as darkness or like troubles haunting you, right? But so is, is there is no actual clear? growth to back that up.
0: Yeah, because their relationship is like in the same place it was before. Like they're still into each other, but he's running away. So yeah, hey, maybe there's it's a tie-in like... comic book that we're missing.
1: Yeah, maybe. Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, it's a movie that i i think could have been very good if it was different you know if it was done better
0: yeah like it was a solid idea and is do you know if there's another movie that is a rock and roll fable done successfully that's what i would like to know is there a version of this that is like successful because i this is an interesting movie and it's worth watching and the songs are pretty cool yeah but but it's definitely messy and like more of a a fascinating thing than like a good solid movie you know
1: yeah, a hundred percent it's a movie that gives you a lot to to think on in terms of not necessarily what it suggests from a like a philosophical perspective but from a a film perspective like building a movie as a rock and roll fable
0: yeah, like a movie that is not just about rock and roll, but a movie that is, like, rock and roll. Mm-hmm. And espouses the, the sort of philosophy of that. Without being School of Rock. Not that I didn't like School of Rock. School of Rock is probably one of my favorite movies from, like, my childhood. But yeah, like, that, but that's,
1: like, the, uh, like the comedy it, version.
0: Exactly. It, it's, it's not the fable, necessarily. It's, it's a different version. But, so, I don't know. That's the closest I can think of. And it, that's more explicit. That's not like, that's not just a world where the rules of rock and roll are reality. It's a world where Jack Black teaches kids about what rock and roll is. So it's not really the same thing. Yeah, and you
1: could argue a movie like uh, what's that? The Beatles <laughs> musical one.
0: Across the Universe.
1: Yeah, like that kind of has some of the ideas, but again, I I think it's not quite what we're looking for here.
0: Right. Yeah, and I mean there's some definitely like the visuals in this movie are pretty cool a lot of the time like with mm-hmm. the lighting uh there's definitely a lot of like contrast like you see them when they're driving in the streets like I remember he, his car the convertible they drive in super shiny and there's one shot where like most of the light is just reflections off the car and it's very mm, cool looking so I that imagine that cool. was that would have been difficult to light or like when they're driving their bikes through the streets and like the lighting is mostly Like, they're hiding under the bridge, and the bikes are coming by, and it's all just, like, lights on the front of the bikes, and it's all misty, and it's got that, like, grimy, colorful look, kind of, you know?
1: Yeah, it's a really, really masterfully done, that sort of gritty 80s neon style where you have both the brightness and the dirt.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. Cool visual. Yeah,
1: like, like, it's a great visual movie, but it is definitely lacking in terms of substance. And even in terms of action, like if you did this more like uh like a John Wick kind of film or a or even die hard, like if the whole movie had been set around rescuing Ellen and maybe she's being forced to perform for the uh for the biker gang, so then we can get some of her story as a, as a yeah a, she uh, not could a songwriter, sing more but songs as a singer yeah, and, and actually then, have
0: something to do
2: mm-hmm,
1: and then kind of like focus the set a little more. And make the action more interesting because like it feels a lot of the action in this just kind of felt obligatory rather than exciting right,
0: right. I guess the other thing um, yeah like the, the story like he kidnapped her because like he wants her to love him and that could be part of it but this is mm-hmm. a world where, where rock and roll is everything so like music is of course they want the music she's got the music so like why don't yeah. they kidnap her for the music
1: and it's it's clearly a a commodity as well because that's right. Rick Moranis' role in all this. Yeah, he's money. the
0: guy with the money. He's the guy he manages, and he's like fucking. Kid. He's got all the money. He never he's never like without money. Every time it's like, oh, pay him. Oh, here's some money. Like, pay that guy. Here's some money. Oh, we gotta pay these guys up. Like, he's got cash. Yeah, he's got. Resources. And the thing
1: is, is you could have all of these sort of genre based aesthetics for characters as well, like. Rick Moranis looks like fucking Buddy Holly. You've got Ellen Aim looking close. like an 80's like singer. you've got the fucking leather biker gang. you got them like, you could do all these different stylings to sort of represent the characters and also represent genres of music.
0: And all would, the characters like, are sort of broad strokes of genres.: Yeah, that's very mm-hmm. cool. Does this exist? I'm getting excited here. I know there has to be something similar. like I
1: can't... and if not, somebody should be making it because I think there is a wealth. Of potential in
0: something like this, it's got to be at least like an indie movie. Yeah, well, I, I know there it's, it's, is. Uh, it's too obvious, right?
1: It's yeah, it's like too obvious. There is a, there's a, I know there's a punk rock musical about, uh, I think about plagiarism. Okay, I can't remember what's called. It's like as a podcast too, but like yeah. So there are things that are kind of around this idea we're talking about, but I don't know if there's anything because I think we're looking for uh, a quality of, I hate using this word, but like epicness.
0: I suppose. May- That's part of some rock and roll anyway. Mm-hmm. Not all of it.
1: But yeah, I guess to to kind of just sum it up in a final review, there is... This movie is backed by a phenomenal soundtrack. Even the pieces that aren't uh, r- like, even just the instrumental pieces, they're uh, they were made by Rye Cooter, who, is- who was the producer for Buena Vista Social Club.
0: Yeah, he worked with Buena Vista Social Club. He's done a lot of production. Uh, he's... He was on, a, I think, a Rolling Stone list of, like, top guitarists of all time. He was, like, top ten, like... Yeah,
1: he's one of those guys who's worked with fucking everybody. Uh, I'm just off Wikipedia, John Lee Hooker, Captain Beefheart, Ali Farka Touré, have I said Ali that right? Ali Farka
0: Touré. Yeah, R.
1: Clapton, The Rolling Stones, Van Morrison, Neil Young, Randy Newman, David Lindley, The Chieftains, The Doobie Brothers, Carla Olson and the Taxtone, Techstones, and he formed the band Little Village. He's, like... He's one of those working musicians that if I think if you're in the industry, you know right. the name. But if yeah, you're and you probably worked him, with him too,
0: just cause <laughs> like just by numbers, you have to have.
1: Yeah, and then his his son is uh, Joaquin Cooter, who is also a talented musician.
0: Yeah, with a similar style.
1: Mm. Yeah, so yeah, like this movie is carried, I think, really by its visual aesthetic and strong soundtrack. But unfortunately, there's nothing for it to carry. The yeah. script is, uh, like, it's, I, it's written for a teenager, I guess. It's written for the teenager inside Walter Hill, and maybe right. it's perfect for him.
0: Which but is, I guess, the intention. It's, it's a really interesting movie. I, mean, I enjoyed watching it.
1: Oh. Yeah, I think with bigger performances from the actors, you might have been able to save the script.
0: Yeah. If everyone was a Rick Moranis, then we probably would have had a stronger movie.
1: And like even Willem Dafoe holds down his part like his role is not nuanced, Oh, absolutely. But he's a scary dude who looks he scary like. Doesn't
0: get much to do, but most of like it's mostly non-verbal with him anyway. He barely talks. Mm-hmm. He just like sits there looking like high cheekbones.
1: Yeah. So yeah, overall I would say this is worth seeing if you can take the pieces of it. If you are someone interested in film or story writing in any kind, I would love to i would say watch this and strip the good parts from it and use that to create your own project
0: yeah super interesting to watch i might even show it to people i'd watch it again sing along ed
1: bagley jr played the role of ben gunn who's that ed bagley jr that is a name i know Hmm. oh my god yeah yeah if you fucking go to his wikipedia page you'll recognize his face right away
0: uh oh, fuck. He, was he in?
2: Was he in? Fucking no. Who's this guy?
1: He's uh, he's in a lot of TV shows. He's uh, I'm pretty sure. I I want to say he's Liz Lemon's dad in 30 Rock, but that might be wrong. He's Stan Sitwell.
0: Fuck, that's who he is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's who it is. Okay. And other stuff, probably. The new yeah. Ghostbusters. The new Ghostbusters. Ah, he's a recurring cast member. In it this ties him with Eugene Levy, so maybe that's As we mm. know, Eugene Levy was Unit Production Manager in this movie. It's a good so thing I weird. happened to have paused on that credit exactly, like two minutes ago.
1: Yeah. So uh we talked a lot about the soundtrack on this, just Based on your limited listening, Alex, what would you say is the best song on this soundtrack?
0: Oh, it's been very limited. I listened to Nowhere Fast a couple of times cuz it's super catchy. Yeah. And uh Hmm. I I've listened to uh obviously uh, I can dream about you a lot in the last <laughs> Particularly couple of days. Last week, yeah. Uh for reasons that will become apparent soon and I don't know, man. What's my favorite song? I feel like I haven't had enough exposure to it yet to pick a favorite. That's fair. Because it's pretty much got to be one of those, right? But I also liked the stuff they were sing- the Blasters were singing. Yeah, in, it was in like their, very like,
1: 50s styled, right?
0: Yeah. So like, one Bad Stood. Bing, one bing, Bad Stood. And, and Blue Shadows was kind of cool, because that was when they were, like, in theory, sneaking around. So it was like Blue mm-hmm. Shadows. So... I really like those ones. I don't remember "Hold That Snake."
1: Nor do I. Maybe I'm gonna get Um, get a little audio going in here.
0: But I feel like this is missing songs, maybe, because I'm just on Spotify.
1: Yeah, well, one of them, "Countdown to Love," which is the uh, acoustic, uh, not the acoustic, rather the acapella number by the Sorrells, is for some reason not available.
0: Yeah. I don't know. It's probably, I mean, the ni- the soundtrack on this is probably a nightmare to put together because of how many people worked on it. Like,
1: <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. And, like, big fucking names, too. It's going to be bad enough paying Jimmy I.V. and let alone fucking Stevie Nicks and Tom Petty and <laughs> Jim Steinman.
0: Jim Steinman and Rory Dodd. who I think they're the same guy, actually. Yeah, uh, they come as a package deal.
1: <laughs> exactly,
2: yeah. They're attached by a rope.
0: Because they're fucking hammers hanging.
2: Nope. <laughs>
1: How is your hammer hanging?
0: Was, um, yeah, I'd say for yeah. me
1: probably. I, I really like. I do actually like having listened to this week. I really do like. How I can dream about you. Yeah. Before statue. that, I think it's it's toss up for me between nowhere fast and tonight is what it means to be young.
0: And those are a lot of fun. I mean that like Steinman style. Yeah,
1: just that melodrama excitement yeah. is like give me that motherfucker really pumps you
0: up so it's great
1: yeah so that is our final review um if you guys have seen the movie before talk to us about it on twitter or email us at covermepod at gmail.com on twitter just use hashtag covermepod or at jake the cressy or at some alex wise guy now um oh yeah i guess alex better for september how's that going
0: oh uh i didn't really do much this week i'll be honest with you Toe in the line and like had stuff going on, you know. It's yeah, busy. I agree. And then suddenly everyone else is busy, and I didn't go climbing because no one else went. Damn, son. But it's just one week, you know. It's how things go. I gotta, yeah. I gotta get back on stuff. I wasn't, I was, I was totally off the ball this week.
1: Fuck, I hear you, dude. I like, I managed to squeeze out a blog post this week, but in terms of getting anything else done, it's just no luck.
0: New blog post? Is that, uh, what was the one you were working on again?
1: Um, so I, the one I've released this week is called Graham Boulevard. Who or what is this thing?
0: That's right, Graham Boulevard.
1: And unfortunately, and this is why it's a bad blog post and nobody's going to read it, I don't actually find out who they are.
0: They have 1,111 albums?
1: Yeah, apparently.
0: Huh. I guess that's how investigative journalism goes. Sometimes yeah, sometimes you figure it out. Sometimes you don't.
1: Them's the breaks. So that's been our episode. I've been your host as always, Jake Cressy. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, or your favorite podcasting app. Maybe your least favorite podcasting app. You could theoretically subscribe to us on every podcasting app and just pick one of them to actually listen to us. Yeah. Or better for us, listen to us on all of them.
0: Whatever's handy.
1: And then make a podcast about listening to our podcast like 10 times. That would actually be more work than making this podcast.
0: Let us know what it's, li- what it's, ab- what it's like. Let us yeah, know. Let us know we'll, what it's like. We'll listen to it maybe. Maybe. Probably.
1: We can do a review of it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Right. So the shitty podcast is. <laughs>
1: it's too derivative. Um, anyway, as we always say, Uncover Me. How's your cover hanging?